Welcome to the Pharma Sales and Tech Podcast. Join Artem, Stefan, Ruslan, and Chris as we explore the latest trends and developments in the pharmaceutical industry with a focus on sales and technology. From cutting-edge innovations to practical tips and strategies, our expert guests will provide valuable insights to help you stay ahead of the game. Tune in to stay informed, inspired, and connected with the world of pharma sales. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Stefan from Platforce, and we have a wonderful guest at today's Pharma Sales and Tech Podcast, a market access leader in Saudi Arabia, in the Middle East. Very rare. Very, very rare. I would really like to welcome Rabab Khudari to this podcast. I think the best. I think what attracted when inviting Arbab was her experience in market access in the pharma industry specifically. And you know that she's a key opinion leader in the, in the, in the pharma industry. And I would be really happy to listen to the answers to my questions. So please guys meet Arbab. Uh, feel free to talk a little bit about yourself, like do an intro. Yes. Thank you so much. First of all, Stefan, to host me today in the podcast. So uh, my name is Rabab Kadari. I'm originally from Saudi Arabia, from the region of Mecca. I have a 13 years of experience. It's a diversified career pathway, I would say. But eight years of experience was focusing on the pharma industry in two huge operations of big companies like GlaxoSmithKline and Janssen, the pharmaceuticals companies of Johnson & Johnson. Now, the market access rule and the pricing is a really dynamic, I would say, department or function where I had to work in evaluating and bringing the best optimized solutions for the business when it comes to access to medications for the patients and where I had to do a lot of pricing strategies and access strategies and implementing governance and framework through internal to succeed and execute and patient access externally. Now, most of the therapy areas I focused on, usually in different organizations, you would say or see that there is a one or two therapy area per each uh, part of the market access operational team. But for me, I was handling a lot of innovative products, including the anti-infective established brands and including the urology and adding to the innovative, for example, HIV speciality, rare disease and vaccines. Adding to this, I was having two years experience in the hemato-oncology, mm. where I would say it's one of the most dynamic market. Mm. Okay. So dear listeners, let's get back. I think they want to understand what is market access. First of all, what is market access in pharma? Can you please like explain what is, where is that? So basically market access is accelerating patient access to medications, meaning that I have to bring the right treatment for the right patient at the right time with the right price. Mm -hmm. And to do this, it looks simple or it maybe seems simple, but in reality, it's a very complex process from strategic aligning with the strategic priorities of the organization to the operational processes. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's a good answer. So it's actually important for like, like patient access. So I would give you one example about, um, let's say, a cancer patient. Imagine a cancer patient is highly progressing, having a severe case of a disease, mm -hmm. and he is in need at the moment to get a chemotherapy, as an example. 
So imagine if there is no available chemotherapy on shelf for the patient at the moment in the hospital. What's going to happen? Emotionally, he will be devastated. Physically, mentally, he will be alert. His family or her family will be irritated. There will be a negative consequences and you don't know what's going to happen with the patient. Yeah. So market access play a really important, crucial role at the level of organization and at the level of the market and the big need for the patient to have the medication at the right moment. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what is the, so I assume that would be the same core objective, like of the market access team and organization and like get the, the right products at the, at the right time, but, or can you tell me about that in your way? So basically there are always strategic priorities for any multinational company or in the pharma industry. So one of the key role of the market access is a coordinated approach of cross-functional alignment, meaning I have to align and discuss and communicate and integrate with the approach and strategy of the regulatory, the sales, the marketing, pricing, finance, supply chain, maybe medical affairs and the government affairs and, and policy department. So we have to integrate all the stakeholders for number one, to boost up the reputation of the company, the competitive edge. Number two, to access for the patient when it comes to medication. Now to do this, imagine the market access play a crucial role from the early development of the medication until the commercialization process through the product life cycle. Mm -hmm. And to do this, we need to set effective market access strategy aligning with the commercial team on their strategy to boost up the organization growth. And number one priority is the patient access to medications. Of course, makes sense. So what is the know-how for a market access expert, like you as an expert? And well, what's your, would say, competitive edge? Why are you better than other market access leaders? So before maybe I, to answer this question, I would tell you the top priority of a market access activities and market access as a function or department. And from there, we can talk about the capability and the expert know-how. So number one in the market access, really important is the evidence generation, real world evidence, because I want to show the value of my product or my, I would say, medication. Number two, you need to bring the right economic clinical humanistic value of the product to our budget holder, payers, I would say policymakers, providers, and even for the patient. And another thing is understanding the country dynamics and landscape and regulations and the market trend and understand the payer or the stakeholders approach and mindset. And from there. Bringing all of this together with the suboptimal, or I would say the optimal price that would give the value for money versus, you know, the high cost that would maybe impact the health expenditure. To do all of this, you need the art of value crafting, which is the value proposition of a product. You need to have good analytical thinking, strategic thinking, being an expert in health economics and outcomes research. and understanding how to put the pricing and market access strategy. Another thing to add is business acumen, emotional intelligence, and I'm going to talk about it later in details, negotiation skills, superior communication skills with the customers, and at the end, interpersonal and communication skills or relationship building with our top customers. 
I like the part about emotional intelligence. I would like to discover that more. Can you talk about that one more? So emotional intelligence for me is something that I've been practicing honestly for 10 years, Stefan. I was following the books of the great author, Daniel Goldman, about oh. emotional intelligence and the power of leadership. Yeah. Now, I would say that emotional intelligence is a cornerstone of a happy personal and professional life, even to be a successful leader. So it's basically the catalyst of the right leadership in organization. I'm going to tell you that emotional intelligence is based on, of course, five pillars is the empathy, the self-awareness, and the social skills, self-regulations, and the motivation. Now, when we talk about the self-awareness is playing a big role, especially for leadership role, because you need to know and understand your emotions, your feelings, your potential, your weaknesses and strengths, and you tailor your behavior and thoughts accordingly, and being a great decision maker in any organization. Now, self-regulation plays a big role when there's a chaos in specific, let's say, big threat or red flag or a risk where you are very calm mm -hmm. and you think about any risk in strategically and solve it in a very nice way and very strategic way in any organization. Empathy is really a big pillar because when you understand the feelings of your team, as an example, in an organization, you know the behavior and thoughts be behind it, you tailor it. You tweak it, you support them, you being a very diplomatic with them, and then you uplift them to work and produce double effect when it comes to the business outcome needed. Mm -hmm. So EQ play a really big role, and it's a big pillar when it comes to even brain agility. Mm -hmm. Now, this will take me to another topic where I'm going to tell you about the brain agility model as an example, where you need the secret recipe of emotions intuition, body-mind connection, and motivation, and creativity, and logic. So when you have this mix, it plays a really big role, even to the winning mindset of market access team. Mm -hmm. Okay. So just going back, before we go back to market access, I want to, you mentioned Daniel, I'm a big fan of his books as well. And I think you cannot become a great leader if you don't improve yourself, meanwhile, you're improving the processes and you're improving the KPIs for your team that you're leading, right? Be it enterprise or a small company. Now, my question would be, where does the leadership settle? Okay. So if we say emotional intelligence, we talk about the emotions and empathy, right? Yeah. Now, leadership, I would say it's full of schools. It's not a one school or one resource or one style. We have many styles of leadership, but the most important type that I see is important for uplifting and working, not only with my team, but leadership without authority, which meaning cross-functional team is servant leadership. Servant leadership basically is understanding the emotions and working with it and understanding the behavior behind a specific thought or mindset. Yes, it's important for your team, but it works well even with the other teams. This would really boost up transparency, trust, agility, resilience, and integrity collaboration with other cross-functional teams. And it plays a big role when it comes even to succeed as a market access, I would say, lead in the organization and to execute properly any processes or plans 
externally when it comes with the other stakeholder or authorities. Okay. My follow-up question would be, you as a leader, like I obviously see you as a leader in the market access team. Let's talk a little bit about the value-based healthcare, right? Like how do you envision the value-based healthcare in 2030? And what's the role that it's going to play? Yes. So to talk about this, I'm going to give you a simple definition of the value-based healthcare. So right now, there is a growing interest, especially in the emerging market, that they want to move toward a value-based healthcare rather than the concept of high price and that's it or volume. So when we talk about the value, it means that the healthcare system is organizing activities or arranging specific initiatives for the sake of improving the patient health outcomes. And add the same thing, improving the life expectancy, the health-related outcomes, and at the end, improving disease prevention or increasing disease prevention in the right forum. Now, to do this, meaning that the funding will be based on the value of the product or value of innovation. The interesting thing, there's a huge transformation going on with the Vision 2030. And what we see right now, one of the key objectives is a vibrant society, society that looks for their health and care about their health. And when I say this, meaning that the cornerstone of this is improving the life expectancy. So in this situation, the value-based healthcare will play a big role. Now, the market access team is the engine of the value-based healthcare shaping in Saudi Arabia and any other market. And I would tell you the explanation that the market access is based on the value of products and value of innovation, meaning that if, for example, let's give an example of the cellular and gene therapy, where we, you bring adoption of a new novel therapy or technology that is really highly costly in a big healthcare system, mm-hmm. but it would give the value for money. So basically, you're giving a high cost, but in relation, you're giving a patient health gains or patient health outcomes or even improvement of overall survival. So in this situation, the market access will shape the policy, will shape the environment, will understand the market dynamics, will do a socioeconomic evaluation to understand the willingness to pay from the perspective of budget holders like the peers. And from there, they will manage to bring this value, which is clinical or economic, to the peers. The one challenge in here, I would say, when it comes to value-based healthcare is that there is a silo mentality for the peers to, to understand how to implement this value-based healthcare and how to evaluate the value for the product. Now, the market access team, they will succeed whenever they really embed the right unified value of the product among all the peers in Saudi Arabia. And why I'm saying Saudi Arabia, because for example, for me, I was, you know, handling total governmental sector, which made more than 60% of the business in Saudi Arabia, that is really looking for the national reimbursement. Mm. So we have a lot of payers. We have different mindsets. Mm. There is a different perception and we need to deliver and communicate the right value of innovation to these payers. Okay. You mentioned players. So first of all. Can you name who are the external, internal stakeholders for market access team? And how do health authorities are obviously like stakeholders as well? How do you, you know, how do they come into play and how to handle them correctly? 
So when it comes to the internal stakeholders, maybe I mentioned earlier, we have multiple OT stakeholders, including from, you know, regulatory perspective, pricing, finance, supply chain, marketing, sales, medical affairs, government affairs, and even, you know, from global to local, you know, stakeholders in the market access. And imagine the beauty, I would say, of market access that you are really well recognized in organization. And I'm saying this because you deal from the medical representative's perspective until the senior leaders of the organization. You need to discuss decision-making. You need to go operational to shadow, for example, some of the stakeholders. You need to work with the team internally a lot from operational perspective to strategic to even decision-making or, you know, giving a specific initiative at the governmental level, for example, collaboration, strategic partnership, to understand how to put, number one, the company at first, number two, to access to our innovation or medication. Now, from the external part, I would call them the four Ps, the payers, the providers, the patients, and the last, I would say, maybe the prescribers. Now, there is always a different categorization of these stakeholders, but payers are the most for us because they are a budget holders. They are a big decision makers or influencers in the formulary enlisting process in the hospitals, as an example, of the governmental sector. Okay. So going deeper, actually, my question would be, what are, what are the key maybe figures? What are the key determinants for successful access to medication? And maybe what are the biggest challenges when you, you're facing with the external environment? So I'd say number one, market access is based on three pillars, and this will determine the success, is evidence-driven, payer needs-driven, and now patient-centric. If you have these three key players, I would say they will determine the success. And under each pillar, there are multiple activities that play a big role. And I would say the value crafting or value proposition crafting for the payers is important because it will deliver the right needs and it will tackle unmet medical needs in the population. Mm -hmm. Now, if we come to the challenges, challenges always are diversified. But in an environment like the Saudi market, as an example, Stefan, and you can see maybe the big, huge jump and transformation from different perspectives and sectors. There is a lot of changes. It's complex, unpredictable. There are many dynamics that's going on. So mm -hmm. we need, number one, to landscape the country, understand the market trends, the regulations, the policies, how to shape the market, and how exactly the macro environment is coming to play in a way or other. So once you know this, you will tackle any challenge. Now, from perspective of, I would say, regional, which is hospital-based, the formulary or the pharmacy and therapeutic committees play a big role in technical evaluation. So we really need to understand the needs of the payer and we really need to understand how to optimize the resources and allocate the budget in a way or other to support them when it comes to bringing the value of innovation. And from there, you know, we can surpass or overcome this challenge. Okay. So there is one important point, the unique value proposition. The UVP is very important for me as a marketer because we have like force where like I'm seeing not many companies have a unique value proposition. They're all like sort of generic. I wanted to ask you like, what are the key drivers and why are they important when you're crafting a value proposition for products? So one thing, we have the global value dossier, right? So basically it's a huge document where it shows 
in details the economic, I would say, and the humanistic and the clinical differentiator of our medication versus the competition or the, let's say, the available standard of care. Okay. Now, crafting the value proposition is important because when I'm going to go with to the payer, I'm not going to go with a 100 pages of global value dossier, right? I'm going to customize it based on the market needs, based on whatever the regulations available when it comes to value-based healthcare, as an example, based on the direction of the payer and the mindset of the payer. Now, the value proposition play, I would say, a crucial role because we want to bring the value of the product versus, let's say, the high cost of the product. Okay. We want to make sure that the impact on the healthcare spending will not be high if there is a value for money, which is the value of innovation. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's very important to keep engaging externally, face-to-face -face with the customer, understand the market need and the drivers and decision-making processes that comes from these payers. That makes a lot of sense. So how do you like regulators, obviously, Regulators, like, you know, the government, obviously, they put a lot of pressure right, on you. How do you solve the innovation problem? Like, how do you innovate? Yeah. So there are many factors regarding this, but I would say, number one, if you bring a task force, for example, where you have the company introducing themselves through memorandum of understanding or strategic partnership with, the, for example, the Ministry of Investment, the Ministry of Health or other authorities that comes into play, that play a big role. Now, to bring innovation, I think top number one is awareness. So we need to really increase awareness about the importance of innovation, the importance when it comes to health gains for the patients, and the importance when it comes to the idea why our product and in which disease area and why to this patient population X, for example. So the awareness plays a role. Playing another role is the advocacy and, you know, being a key participant in different forums and conferences that really brings innovation. It's a key concept. And plus that we want to show how important is patient access to medication with sustainability and consistency. So market access doesn't only bring innovation, patient access or patient access to innovation. It brings or secure the current medications to be on shelf with the support of, for example, the key account managers and, you know, the tender managers or the tender function. Okay. I have maybe two, three more questions for you. And one of them, we mentioned Saudi Arabia so much, right? Maybe you already spoke about it, but just to emphasize. So what's the one in the market such as like Saudi Arabia and nearby markets? How market access comes into play when we talk about value-based healthcare. Yes. So maybe we talked about this earlier, but I, I'm going to tell you a very nice example. Awesome. So now if we are having a growing interest in the value-based healthcare in Saudi, and we talked about the, maybe the Vision 2030 and the vibrant society and the idea of the health outcomes and focusing on the patient at first. Now, for example, if there is a specific, let's say novel therapy to be adopted as a new technology in Saudi Arabia, but the concern is the high cost. The good thing about market access that we always come with innovative solution, meaning that we can come with special access schemes, I would say, or a specific agreement 
uh, that, for example, this is between the company or the manufacturer and the payer, in which shows that there is hit balance, mm -hmm. win-win situation, where we're going to bring this technology to Saudi Arabia to deliver it to the patient. However, there is a management to the cost, and this happening through economic modeling, or let's say health economic evaluation, like for example, cost effectiveness or budget impact models. So here, there a big focus on the value-based schemes. Now, there is another field or another, I would say, definition, an interesting topic that will come when it comes to market access is managed entry agreements. If you heard about it, Stefan. Yeah. So managed entry agreement have a different definition in different literature or resources. However, the idea that it's very specialized schemes where it's giving innovative solution to the, you know, to the peers. Okay. But at the same thing, it tackles clinical uncertainty about innovation or new novel therapy. And in which at the end, it will bring the novel therapy, but at the same thing, it will tackle the concern about the healthcare impact that's going to come with this delivery of this, you know, medication. Awesome. And under this managed interagreement, we have a different categorization. Example is pay for performance or, you know, outcome-based models. Interesting. Okay. So basically you have, you have market access is quite complex. And I'm wondering, like, well, how do you like keep yourself motivated and how do you keep, you have like regulators, internal, external stakeholders, all of them have their own agenda. So how do you sort of foster a culture of innovation within your own team and, you know, the teams you work with. So I think number one, and this is always my priority, is mental and physical well-being. If you have a very good mind and body connections to fun, you will have a triple effect in your productivity when you work in any business. In an environment like a very dynamic or complex like market access, where you have to deal with a lot of challenges internally and externally, number one, I would say you have to be very calm, to clear your mind, to have a growth mindset, to think positively, and to have the right solution at the right moment. So you have to really focus on your physical mental well-being. And I would say, stay, you know, stay hydrated, oxygenated, sleep well, eat well, exercise, and at the end, simplify any problems in your mind. It will keep everything very simple and you'll be always creative and motivated. Awesome. I have my last question. So what would you suggest to, let's say, up and coming market access leader, someone who wants to learn more about market access, what would you suggest to that person? I would say there are two key pillars to do is the tools of market access and face to face in the field. So to do this. You need to read a lot about market access, pricing, health economics. You need to use tools that in a way or other would support you from technical perspective to even operational perspective. And going to the field is number one, because the more you go, the more you observe, the more you evaluate, the more it would support you to shape the environment of market access. Awesome. That, that's, the, that's the best answer I've heard so far about market access. And I want to add this. We had a, a personal chat about before this. So if you guys want to learn about market access, join her in Budapest. That's the place where I am right now. Join her for the market access summit slash conference in October. Am I correct, Rob? 
Yes, hopefully. If I'm getting the visa on time, yes. Yeah, so meet her. You know, you'll be able, guys, to, ladies and gentlemen, you'll be able to, to meet their other leaders, like such as Rubab. And, uh, you know, the best knowledge you get is when you learn from each other. So you're welcome for the consideration. Thank you for the wonderful podcast. I'm looking forward to see you in another podcast episode, maybe in year, a year from now. Thank you for the insight. It was very valuable. Thank you so much, Stefan. It's a pleasure and looking forward to meet you face to face soon. Thank you so much. Have a good one.